Hey there, thanks for joining us for today's weekly podcast. We are so excited that you're here. You're about to hear an incredible message from our pastor, Terry Haight. But before we get started, we'd like you to consider partnering with us. Our heart is to spread Jesus' message of hope to the world. If you'd like to sow into that mission, please visit hermesonassembly.com and click the Give button. Thank you so much for your generosity. Now enjoy this message. Today I want to continue this study about, on the subject, we live to give. Can you say that with me? We live to give. Say it again. We live to give. And today I'm going to title this message, Living in Abundance. Living in Abundance. And so as we read Mark chapter 6, if you have it, can you say amen? Mark chapter 6, verse 34. The word says, and I'm going to read down through verse 38, and then we'll continue reading as the message goes on here. But Mark chapter 6, verse 34 says it this way. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so he began teaching them many things. And by this time it was late in the day, so the disciples came to him and came to him, quote, and this is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, that would take more than a half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you, do you have? He said, go and see. And when they found out, they said five loaves and two fish. I'm going to stop right there for just a moment. Five loaves and two fish. That doesn't seem like much. We're talking about a crowd of, even though the the Bible says they fed 5,000, it was really estimated that it was closer to 15,000, 20,000. Can you imagine the population of Hermiston when you think about it? 15,000, 20,000 in one place. They've been listening to Jesus' teaching and, and the day has gone, has gone along, it's been a long day, and yet Jesus is telling them, you feed them. And so last Sunday, if you recall, we, t- we began talking about how we live to give, uh, and, and there's, there's a mindset that many people in the world, but also many believers in the church have, and it's called this cycle or this mindset of scarcity. In other words, that, uh, you know, we have this hoarding mentality. We have this mentality that, you know, for if you're living paycheck to paycheck, that, that you have no wiggle room, you have no, uh, you can, you have no ability or room to give. Uh, in, fact, in fact, we as Americans, though, we think that we're generous, but yet statistics show that we're not, per se. Uh, the average American gives about 2.8% of their income away. Did you hear what I just said? 2%, 2.8, maybe almost three on average across the board. In other words, that we live in what would be considered the wealthiest nation and we're considered to be generous people and yet we haven't even tapped into that generosity. We haven't even begun to delve deeply into it. and, And so as a result, there's this cycle of scarcity uh, and, and, and today we're going to talk about the abundance side of things, living in abundance. When God provides something, this is the cycle of scarcity or fear. 
We, this is the cycle. God provides something, we consume it, we lack, we fear, and then we consume again. We live in such a consumer-driven uh, society. It's all about, you know, what, you know, watching out for number one. What can I get out of this? What about me? Have my needs been met? And, and it doesn't just affect our wallets, but it affects our attitude. Because you're going to see here in just a moment, the scarcity doesn't, doesn't start in the wallet. It starts in the mind, in the heart. That's where the fear is at. That's where the scarcity is at. But as we talked about last Sunday, there's a way of breaking that cycle. We break that cycle that when God does provide, how does he provide? He's given us jobs. He's given us incomes. He's given us provisions. He's enough that we have clothes on our back, that we have a meal on the table, that uh, we're taking care of our, our needs. But when, but when he provides, this is what breaks the cycle. We give. And when we give, God then multiplies, and we're going to see that today. And then when God multiplies our giving, and you've heard it testified last Sunday, Miss Bonnie gave a good example about how uh, she and her husband took up a one-month challenge. And I want to extend that to you this morning. Today, if, if you are not a giver, if you have yet to take that step of faith, to, to take a one-month challenge to, to give to the Lord. And when you do that, you'll see that God will take what little you offer him as, as opposed to the total amount that you have, and he will multiply it. And when he multiplies it, then what happens? Our faith grows because we begin to see our resources, we begin to see the blessings as God sees them, right? And when faith grows, then what happens? We give again. We're like, you know what? This something's, I don't know, because this is the thing about, it's like the law of gravity. Uh, the law of gravity is, you know, what goes up must come down, right? And there is a law in God's word. There's a law when it comes to giving that when God provides and we give, he multiplies. It doesn't work out on paper. You can run the numbers all you want, but it will not make sense. Why? Because we're talking about a supernatural God. We're talking about a God who literally, in the beginning of creation, he spoke into nothing and made something. He said, let there be light, and there was light. He said, let there be a sun, moon, and stars, and they, and they simply appeared. They were there. Let there be, and he talked about the earth and the firmament and the, the, the water and the sky and the separation and all. He just began to speak them, and they came into existence. He is one. And so when we look at this story here, we're going to see that the disciples are going to learn something new when it comes to giving. The scarcity cycle starts with, in the heart, not in the wallet. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7 says it this way. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Let that settle for just a moment. As he thinks in his heart, as he or she thinks in his heart, so is he. Do you realize that what you think in your heart, you, you, you ultimately project it on other people? Because you expect other people to think the way you think or to react the way you react. Have you ever had someone react to you in a negative fashion and, 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 they, and, they, and in their reaction, they're expecting you to act the same way back toward them? 
and you're thinking, what's going on here? This is, uh, this is not who I am. But the word says in Proverbs, for as he thinks in his heart, if you are, if you are in a poverty mindset, then you'll act like one in poverty. If you're, if you're living in fear, then you'll act like someone living in fear. The words coming, the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth speaks. If you want to know really what's in an individual's heart, just give them a few minutes and they'll tell you. Just wait a while and it'll make it known. If a person says, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, just give it some time. Whatever is in them, if Jesus comes out, praise God. But if everything else comes out, fear and, and distress and worry and doubt and, and even selfishness, if those are the things that come out, that is not the heart of Jesus. And we have to, and, and, I'm, and when I preach to you, I'm preaching to myself here this morning. This, this, is a, this is an area that every one of us are always challenged with on a daily basis. Are we going to live in fear or scarcity or in faith? And so we see the scene here. If you read the scriptures before it, you'll find that, and, and I began to read the context around this even again this morning, and something really stuck out to me that I had not seen up until just this morning myself as I was reviewing this in my, in my heart and mind. But leading up to this, John the Baptist had just been executed. He had just been beheaded. If you remember, he was the voice of the one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. He was what the Bible calls the forerunner. He came ahead of Jesus. He was, the one, he was the one going ahead of him. If you know who John the Baptist was, he was the cousin to Jesus, the earthly cousin. He was his mother's aunt's son. He, they were cousins. If you remember Mary, early in her pregnancy, she went to Elizabeth, who was already pregnant, and, and, they, and, and as soon as Mary knocked on the door, there was a witness in Elizabeth's heart within, with, with her own child, John. And so this child, John, now was a man, and this man who became John the Baptist, he was calling people to repentance. He was calling people back to God. He was, he was saying, there's, there's one coming after me. There's one coming that is the Messiah. He is the Lamb of God. He is the innocent sacrifice. And right before this feeding of the 5,000, in all the Gospels, you'll read that John the Baptist was taken out. Do you think that that might have had an impact on Jesus? Do you think that he had suffered loss? Do you think that maybe that, you know, he knew God's grand plan. He understood this was all part of God's will, but yet he suffered the loss of one of his family members. They died for righteousness' sake. And now they've been out ministering. Jesus and the disciples have been out ministering. And the day had already passed. And Jesus said, hey, you know, the day, the day is passing. And the disciples were saying, you know what, Lord, we haven't even eaten yet today. And he says, well, let's get in the boat and let's cross to the other side and let's take a break. Let's go eat something. And the word says that by the time they got to the other side, the crowds of people had seen them leave this area of the lake and before they got to the other side of the lake, that the crowd had followed them around the lake and were already ready waiting for him there. As though he had not given enough. As though he had not lost enough. 
When I talk about this, and I'm kind of infusing this message with this area because I think that there may be somebody in this crowd here this morning that you're thinking to yourself, haven't I given enough? I've lost a family member, I lost a friend, I lost a house, I lost my job, I lost uh, in, a, in, a, in a situation, I came out on the short end of the stick, and yet I find that there's more demands on my life. It seems like life is coming at me 100 miles an hour and it won't quit. The word says that Jesus got to the other side of the lake and the crowd was waiting for him. And the word says, and we see it here, that when he landed and saw the large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. You're gonna find that, that when it comes to, to your walk with God, that while the enemy is telling you this in your head, he's saying to these things, he's saying, you know what? You know, you've done enough. Uh, look, what, look what just happened to you last week. Look, what, look at the family member you just lost or look at the situation you're going through. And, and, you f- and you're feeling lonely, you're feeling in despair. It's amazing to me that if you want something, you have to give it away. If you're lonely, what does the Bible say? If you want to have friends, you have to be what? What's the word for it? Friendly. If you want love, you have to be loving. If you want, if you want to see your needs met, God is saying here, it starts with giving. And you may say, but man, it's a famine around here, pastor. You know, I'm living paycheck to paycheck. How can God create something out of nothing? But that's exactly what Jesus did here in the feeding of the 5,000. He took what the disciples thought was scraps. He took what, G- what, they, what, what the disciples thought was, you know, we're looking at 20,000 people and all we have are five loaves and two fish, five little loaves of bread and two fish. And so they were, so they, Phil, I think it was Philip or one of the disciples or all of them said, hey, uh, let's send them away. Let them go find their own food. How many times have you thought that to yourself? You know what? Can you just go somewhere else? Can you just kind of figure it out on your own? I ain't got time for this. I don't have what you need. But in all reality, we do. What does the word even say about giving? It says if, you have, if someone comes and they're naked and you have a cloak, give them your cloak. If someone has no shoes, give them your shoes. I mean, God throughout all the word is telling us, take what little you have and use it. It may not seem like a lot. And they were thinking about buying, but Jesus was thinking about giving. Jesus viewed what was available through a vastly different set of lenses than the disciples If you were in this situation, which lens do you think you'd be looking through? Scarcity says this. Scarcity asks the question, "What can I? What can I afford?" In other words, can I afford this? Abundance says, "What do I have?" Scarcity says, "What can I afford?" Abundance says, "What do I have?" Because get this: as a child of God, as a believer, there's more where that came from. Turn to your neighbor and say, you know what? There's more where that came from. There's more where that came from. John 10.10 says, the thief only comes to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I came that you may have life and to have it more abundantly. God's economy is very different from the world's economy. When we follow Jesus, he completely redefines what can be done with a little. Think about it. Everything God does is excessive. 
Everything that he does is extravagant. Everything that he does is more than enough. The Bible tells us this, that, that his mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Every day when you wake up, there are, and it's not just the fact of, it's not just just enough, but rather the idea conveyed there is that it's more than enough. Before your feet hit the floor tomorrow morning, realize this, that when you wake up, that whatever the demand of the day is going to be, God has more than enough for you. Amen? God has more than enough for you. And if that be the case, then why are so many of us not living the abundant life? Why are we living in scarcity? Why are we living in fear? Why are we living paycheck to paycheck? Why are we living in a place of, I got to watch out for self? But in all reality, God says here, there's more where that came from. The word says in verse, the latter part of verse 40, and they sat down with groups of hundreds and fifties, and he took the five loaves and he took the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed the food. He blessed the food. I want to talk about that food. In our case, it, it may look like tithe and offering. If you remember last Sunday, we talked about what is a tithe. A tithe, it goes all the way back before Moses and the law. He did it out of generosity. But we see here that a tithe was one-tenth of all that he had earned. He gave it to, to the priest Melchizedek as an offering, as a praise offering, as a thanksgiving, as, as a, uh, out, of the, out of the abundance that God had given him, he says, Lord, I'm going to give back to you. What does Malachi 3.10 say? It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me. This is the one promise in all the word, in all the Bible that God ever says, put me to the test. Put me to the test. I shared with you last week, I was, it was 1985, I'm 15 years old, and God says, Terry, you know, God spoke to my heart tangibly one night at a dinner, uh, raising funds for our new church facility to, to take in more people into the kingdom. I remember that one night, the Lord just impressed on my heart, give $500, Terry. And I went to that banquet that night, and, and it, you know, I had a, we had a good chicken dinner, if you all remember. Do you all remember that chicken dinner I had last Sunday that I was reminiscing about? Well, I didn't give that night the $500. I, I was like, there's no way. I mean, I didn't have it, but I, he was asking me to pledge it. The next morning, what do you know? The pastor had not forget, forgotten that we were on a pledge drive. He brought it up again in the service, like probably you've heard me or other people do. And I remember as the Kentucky Fried Chicken buckets were passing back and forth, we haven't gotten to that point yet, but we used back in those days Kentucky Fried Chicken buckets. And as those buckets were passing back and forth, I remember the Spirit of God just kept saying, Terry, I want you to pledge this. I want you to, this is, I want, I'm, I'm, I'm challenging you. Put me to the test. It wasn't just that he was putting Terry hate to the test. He was saying, Terry, put me to the test. I remember the Haight family, we like to sit toward the back. You know, we like to be in the, you know, anyhow, I'll stop right there. And it was a big auditorium, and you can prop yourself up just nice and fall asleep and make it to the end of the service, you know? But I remember I wasn't sleeping that day. That buck, those buckets were passing back and forth. And as it got closer to me, I started shaking, trembling. I began to experience the presence of God, and I'm like, Lord, this is impossible. You're talking to a 15-year-old kid who mows yards around his neighborhood, not hardly enough to buy a soda down the street. 
And yet, God says, I want, this is what I want you, and this is what I'm asking for you. He, he was saying to me at that age, 15 years old, he said, Terry, test me. Try me and see that I will not open up the windows of heaven or the floodgates of heaven and pour out such a blessing that there is not room enough to contain it. And I remember I shook, I shook as I wrote on that pledge card and I dropped it in the Kentucky Fried Chicken bucket. I held up the line. My mom was sitting right here and my brother was sitting right here and mom's like, pass the bucket because she wasn't expecting me to do anything. And I'm sitting there feverishly trying to write it out and dropped it in the bucket. And within a few weeks, God provided me a job and in no time, that $500 pledge was given to the Lord. In no time, I was, I was going above and beyond that giving tithe and offering. And, and, and at that point, I began to see God in a whole different light. I began to realize that he was a generous God. I, you, know, you may say, well, Terry, how can you 15? How would you ever see God's generosity? Well, I had college ahead of me, and I had marriage ahead of me, and I had jobs ahead of me, and I've worked every kind of job under the sun uh, besides being a pastor. And every step of the way, God says, Terry, will you trust me? Will you, will you put your confidence in me? Have I let you down yet? Have I missed a payday yet? Have I missed a bill yet? Have I missed a provision for you, something that came up in your life that you did not expect? Have I missed it yet? And the answer is no. He's never failed me yet. No. I've never missed a light bill yet. No, I've never missed a rent or a payment, a mortgage payment yet. Never missed a car bill yet. Have I got food on the table? Just look at me. We got food on the table. He's never missed me yet. David said I was once young and now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken. God says he will open up the floodgates. What is that? That there is more than you can imagine. It's like, it's like, uh, it's like, what's a, what's a, it's like, uh, uh, one of these lakes around here that is held up by a dam and the lake is overflowing. It's about to burst. It's all of heaven behind you. When you give, you have all of heaven behind you. What is God saying when you give? He's saying that he can trust you with the abundance of heaven. He wants to trust you with the abundance of heaven. When you Give unto the Lord, God is saying, I'm entrusting you with the abundance. Faith in action. Faith in action shows that our heart is for him. What is in heaven? The undiluted presence of God. How many of you have ever had an encounter with just the pure, raw presence of God? It will leave you a heap on the floor. It will, it will leave you with utter joy, utter peace, utter confidence. When you have those encounters with God, you go from thinking nothing is possible to thinking anything is possible. You come out of that closet or you come out of that bedroom or you come out of your little prayer closet having seen or encountered the very presence of God because, of, because your heart is given to him wholly and you come out thinking nothing is impossible for God. Not only not only does God multiply what is blessed, but God multiplies what is given away. The word says in Matthew 14, 19, he says, give thanks. He gave thanks and he broke the loaves and he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. Where did the miracle happen? 
Where did the miracle happen? It wasn't that enough food for 20,000 people all of a sudden appeared in a great mound right in front of Jesus. But the miracle happened when the Bible says that he divided the loaves among them or he broke, began to break up the pieces and he gave them to the disciples. They were in groups of 50 and in groups of 100. And the word says that when they went out, they began to tear off bread and began to break off the fish that Jesus had given. The miracle took place in their hands. Can you imagine breaking off a piece of bread and handing it to Joe and looking back to grab off another piece and there's more there than what you started with? Can you imagine giving a piece of fish to Sue over here and, 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 you, go, and you look to the fish again to grab another piece and, and there's more or the same as what you just gave away? That is the kind of God that we serve. It is the miracle. The miracle was in their hand. He blessed it and it multiplied. God wants to use your hands to see multiplication, to see abundance. Proverbs eleven twenty four 24 says it this way. One person gives freely and yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly and become, and, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper, and whoever refreshes others will be themselves refreshed. If you're looking for a refreshing, refresh somebody else. Bless somebody else. But pastor, I'm in a, I feel like I'm in a deficit. I have nothing more to give. God says, if you just test me, try me, prove me, step out and see that I will not provide for you all the blessings of heaven. Matthew 6, 31 says it, says it this way. It says, so don't worry. Jesus was talking, Matthew chapter 6, the Beatitudes. He says, so don't worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the unbelievers run after all of these things and the heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given unto you. Seek him first. Seek him first. Make him number one. How do you make him number one? It starts in the heart. And then it hits the wallet. It starts in the heart. And then it hits your tongue, your attitude, how you live each day. Most of us may go no further than seeing the actual feeding of the 5,000. But that was the what. But let's talk about the why for a moment. Why did Jesus do this? Remember, He's lost his cousin, John. They'd already been ministering, and they're telling the, he told the disciples, hey, let's go to the other side of the lake. Let's take a break. Let's go get something to eat. Let's run down to you know, Taco Bell or go get something to eat here. When they got there, the parking lot was so full, they couldn't even get into Taco Bell. They, they, all of a sudden, now the demand was on them. They had to give some more. And there wasn't enough food in Taco Bell to feed 20,000 people. Can you say Amen. And he's saying, what do we have? And he says, we just got a few tacos and a couple enchiladas here. What are we going to do with this? Of course, Taco Bell's not really Mexican food, but he says, but we see here, what did he say to it? Or why did he do it? He did it, the Bible says, initially, he said, I have compassion on them. 
I have compassion on them. In other words, that it was his, what is compassion? It's action, it's love in action. The word says he was moved with compassion because he saw them as sheep having no shepherd. When you go to Walmart or when you're doing your banking at the bank or when you uh, go make your purchases or when you're driving through Dutch Bros or wherever you find yourself today, how do you see the people that, that are out there? Are you looking at them as people who are lost? Yeah, they have a smile on their face. Everything seems great, but in all reality, they are sheep that have no shepherd. And they're looking for someone with the real bread. They're looking for someone who has a real encounter with God. They're looking for someone who can give them food that they'll never, never hunger again. Amen? They're looking for someone who can give them a drink of the fountain of life and they'll never thirst again. And whether you realize it or not, as a believer, you ha- it's in your hands. It's in your heart. It's right there at your disposal. Generosity is the antidote to materialism and the sentence of death over selfishness. It makes us like Jesus. When you show compassion on somebody, when you are loving with the love of God, you are breaking the cycle of scarcity over your own life. You're breaking the cycle of materialism and you're looking more like Jesus all the time. Amen? Can I have the musicians come join me this morning? I want to ask a couple questions. And maybe this is what's going on in your heart and mind here today. You might be saying to yourself, you know what, I struggle with viewing the world through the lens of not enough. Help me to live open-handed. In fact, I'm going to ask you to do this. Will you just close your eyes and bow your head and, and I'm going to ask that there's no movement going on right now because this is a time that, that many of us are going to make some life decisions, decisions that will impact us the rest of our life. You may say, I struggle with viewing everything as not enough. But I'm asking God today, help me to have an open hand. You may be here today and you say, well, how can God want an abundant life for me? I've made too many mistakes. I've made too many mistakes. The word tells us that his grace is sufficient, that his love covers up a multitude of sin. You may say, but I've wasted too many of my resources. I've wasted too much money. I've wasted too much time. I've wasted too many other things on myself. Why would God use me? You know, that's the thing about God is that that the word says he's, in the Old Testament, the Bible says he's quick to correct, but he quickly moves, moves right back into mercy. It is God's desire that you not only experience his abundance, but that you live a life of abundance. That not only do you experience his blessings coming on you, but that you, like the disciples with the fish and the bread, that you would experience the blessing of giving it away. The blessing of being used to feed. The blessing of being able to be used to to give bread to somebody who is hungry. 
And I'm not talking about just physical bread alone. I'm talking about that bread of life. And so this morning, if you're here today, and, and I mean, this is the first question I always ask is this, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? The one who multiplied the bread, the one who multiplied the fish, the one who, who uh, gave himself on the cross, he, he didn't hold anything back. He didn't save a portion. He gave it all. You're saying, Pastor Terry, I wanna, I wanna give my all. I wanna give him my heart, my soul, my mind, my spirit, my body. I wanna give him everything today. I wanna ask for him to come into my life and be the Lord of my life. I want this day to change from this moment forward. If you're here today and that's you this morning, you're saying, Pastor, I wanna accept Christ in my life today. Can you just slip up a hand so we can acknowledge you this morning? I'm not calling anybody down front, but but at least to say, you know what, that's me. I've been living such a life of fear. I've been living such a life of, of, of not enough. I haven't put my trust in him. I see some hands going up around the sanctuary. Anyone else? You're saying, you know what, I need Jesus. I need him. I want him to make my life new. I want to, I want to break out of this fear that I'm walking in and I need Jesus Christ in my life. Anyone else? 